Support for Here and Now comes from BetterHelp, committed to supporting mental health through therapy. Clients are matched with one of 25,000 therapists and can communicate via video, chat, or phone at betterhelp.com public. In his State of the Nation address today, Russian President Vladimir Putin warned NATO countries that if they send troops to Ukraine, it would risk nuclear war. The United States has never intended to put boots on the ground in Ukraine, but the U.S. and Western allies say they do need to keep sending military aid to keep Ukraine in the fight. But does money promise victory? Our next guest says it does not. Anatol Levin is the director of the Eurasia program at the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft, and he joins us now. Hello. Hello. So French President Emmanuel Macron floated this idea this week that NATO countries might send troops to Ukraine. Then that prompted Putin to make these threats about nuclear war. Uh, Is this typical Putin bluster or something more ominous? Well, Russia has threatened that if there is war with NATO, that this could escalate towards nuclear war from the beginning. And indeed, this is obvious. If Western NATO and Russian troops come into direct conflict, then there is obviously a risk of escalation towards nuclear war, yes. I mean, it should be said, of course, that several European governments, including the British, who have been among the you know, strongest supporters of Ukraine, immediately came out and ruled this out, sending their own troops to Ukraine. Right. It, it does appear to be a fringe idea at this point. The United States feels the same way as most of, of Europe. But does the fact that Macron even brought it up signal something to you about the state of this war? Well, yes. I mean, it does, because clearly there's an element of desperation here. I would imagine that Macron is getting some of the same you know, advice from military experts that the U.S. government is, which is that the odds are now strongly against the Ukrainians. I mean, that's partly, of course, to do with the delay in U.S. military aid. Uh, but it's also because the Ukrainian troops are heavily outnumbered and are likely to become more and more outnumbered. And they're also very short of ammunition. Uh, the reports from the front line all speak of the exhaustion of the Ukrainian army. And so time is not on Ukraine's side. And if we're not prepared to launch a diplomatic initiative to end the war, then there is a, a risk of much bigger Ukrainian defeat. Mm. I think you're right. The underlying issue here is whether and how Ukraine can possibly win this war against Russia. And I want to play this tape of political scientist John Mearsheimer. He calls himself a realist. Here's what he said recently on PBS NewsHour. We armed up and we trained the Ukrainians for a major counteroffensive last summer. And that counteroffensive was a colossal failure. And given what's happened since then, there is no reason to think that the Ukrainians can go on the offensive and win a war against the Russians. And if anything, it's quite clear that the balance of power over time has shifted in the Russians' favor, and it's likely to continue to shift further in the Russians' favor moving forward. So we are in deep trouble in Ukraine. So what we just heard reminds me of what you just said and also of something that you wrote recently in time, making the case that Ukraine cannot win this war. I mean, what do you think of what John Mearsheimer just said? Well, in purely military terms and economic terms, I think that's accurate. But what I'd like to say is we have never clearly defined, except in terms that are now completely impossible, what Ukrainian victory winning means. Sometimes. Western leaders 
identified themselves with the Ukrainian official position, which is that Russia must leave all the territory it has held since 2014, including Crimea, and that there must be war crimes, trials and reparations. Well, that is simply not going to happen if Ukraine cannot win a complete victory on the battlefield. And nobody is talking now seriously about Ukraine winning complete victories. The Biden administration has sometimes said that the point of their strategy is to put Ukraine in a stronger position at the negotiating table, which implies eventually some kind of compromise. But the question then becomes, is Ukraine's position at the negotiating table getting stronger, or is it in fact getting weaker? Will Ukraine be in a worse position to negotiate a year from now than it is today? And what do you think? Will it? I mean, I, I'm looking at the loss at Avdivka on February 17th, and I'm wondering whether you think its position will be better or worse a year from now. I fear it will almost certainly be worse because, you know, Avdivka was one of the most heavily fortified positions in the Ukrainian line. So this is a very bad sign. But perhaps I could just add one more thing, which is when it comes to defining victory, look, in terms of what Putin was aiming at when he launched this war, and in terms of the past 350-odd years in which Russia has dominated Ukraine, for Ukraine to achieve independence, full independence on 80% of its territory, and with, as I found traveling in Ukraine, anti-Russian feelings now absolutely baked into the Ukrainian population, that has to be seen as a Ukrainian victory. So this obviously would not be a complete Ukraine victory, but I would still define that as a victory. The challenge, I think, is that uh, what would Ukraine accept? I've spoken with people who are fighting on the front lines who say there is no circumstance under which they will give up. Ukrainian leaders have said they will not accept anything other than a total victory. Uh, here's some tape from President Zelensky recently. We must win. We must do everything to win. This is a matter of survival for Ukraine and Ukrainians. So do you think that every day Ukrainians feel the same way as the people who are fighting this war at the front lines and as the president does? I mean, would they be willing to accept some losses of territory to end this war? I mean, when I was in Ukraine last spring, which was before the offensive, I found that indeed a majority of Ukrainians I talked to did say we must fight on for complete victory. Only that is an option. But I have to say, speaking off the record, and none of them were willing to speak on the record, which does you know, say something about the limitations on speech in Ukraine today. But even then, a large minority, somewhere in the region of a third to two-fifths, said, look, we really hope that this offensive will succeed. We really hope that we will reconquer all our lost territories. But if it turns out that we can't, and if the prospect is years and years of warfare, hundreds of thousands more dead, with no realistic prospect of victory, then in the end, we may have to accept that these territories are lost. Now, on that score, though, there is, of course, a huge difference between Ukraine formally, legally giving up those territories in a treaty. That, I think, is absolutely impossible. No Ukrainian government could do that, and no Ukrainian government should be asked to do that. But of course, there have been quite a number of cases like Cyprus, the division of Cyprus, where the territorial issue has never been solved. Um, it's just been endlessly deferred for future negotiation. And by the way, I mean, that is actually what Zelensky himself proposed in the first month of the war, 
he said we will never you know, give up these territories, but we can agree to leave them in Russian hands pending negotiations. So, in fact, let's end this conversation by coming back to this country, because it is a fiery debate in the halls of Congress what we should do. Earlier today, I spoke with Senator Chris Van Hollen, a Democrat who's adamant that the United States must send more money to Ukraine. The mantra has been from the president, from Democrats, and even a few remaining Republicans in Congress has been that if we don't, the war is lost. Russia will win. If the money does continue to flow somehow, would it be enough to solidify a victory for Ukraine? I should say I strongly support continuing aid to Ukraine, exactly because it's true. If we do not continue aid, Ukraine will lose, and very rapidly, I fear. So aid should continue. But anyone who says that this aid is guaranteed indefinitely for as long as it takes is deceiving either themselves or the Ukrainians or the general public, because it obviously isn't guaranteed. What I think is quite possible, not certain, but possible, is that continued aid will allow the Ukrainians to hold their existing line, not counterattack again, but to hold their existing line. But if that's our aid, then the sensible thing is to combine that with a negotiating strategy. If you stand on the defensive indefinitely, then you've accepted that the territories under Russian occupation are lost. Anatol Levin is the director of the Eurasia Program at the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. Thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you.